welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast. With me as usual to look at the week's major cricket news stories in the region is the renowned Mr Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings Reds, how are you? Yes, greetings on uh, this weekend um, you know, here in the Caribbean as we look forward to good weather and, and there's no threatening system right now I'm happy to, to report. Good, good, good. Yeah, I've, I've been looking at the, the weather myself, Red, so I keep, I keep worrying as well that I see uh, uh, earthquakes and tremors in the region. That must be a concern as well as these storms. Yes, there was one in Trinidad a few days ago. Hmm. Yes, well, let's, let's, let's hope uh, nothing more comes on that front. To cricket. Uh, the cricket news in the Caribbean still is very much, everybody's still talking about the appointment of uh, Jason Holder as captain. Is that something that's been a popular decision, Reds? Yes, I even think that overall um, it was a popular decision. If you read uh, the Caribbean scribes, um, the president of the Trinidad Cricket Board he seems to indicate that he was not consulted. Mm. Um, I assume he's a director, um, but sometimes these things are very confusing because uh, the president of the board might not necessarily be a director. You can have separate directors and you can have um, your place as president of the board. But um, except maybe for the the president of the board, who rightly felt, well, he was not consulted, so he needed to say that. Um, I, I would think that um, the majority of writers, uh, the majority of, of, of cricket lovers, seem to feel that Holder, in the circumstances, the best man for the job because he he ticks all the boxes, and uh, he ticks he ticks all the boxes. And, um, you know, I think the, the, the matter's now a done deal. Mm-hmm. Well, it was Azim Bazarath that you were alluding to there, who's the president of the Trinidad and Tobago Cricket Board, who, who said he wasn't consulted uh, on it when they had their uh, phone conversation. But that was apparently because he was tied up elsewhere in the run-up to the Trinidad and Tobago elections that occurred this week. I so, think he, he was a returning officer, so he, he had a major role to play. Yeah, yeah. And there's been a, a change of government there. Um, interestingly, just to go off that slightly at that angle, is there uh, suggestions today that Brian Lara might be asked to be the new Minister of Sport there? Well, he has endorsed um, the new Prime Minister, Prime, Prime Minister Rowley. Mm. He's endorsed the government. Um, he didn't quite, um, you know, respond to the idea of him being Sports Minister. He shied away, but... Um, you know, if he decides he'll have a change of lifestyle, uh, but by that means to travel a lot less. Um, you know, he could well be uh, the Minister of Sport. Um, he'll have a, a lot of respect. Um, he'll have international connections. 
but um, it means less travel and really focusing on your ministry in terms of day by day. So it's, it's not an easy decision for someone like Lara to make. Yet I'm hearing that the member for Diggle Martin is also um, the member of parliament for Diggle Martin um, likely to be named as the new sports minister. We just have to wait and see in the coming days. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. Um, to return to the uh, Jason Holder appointment, uh, as in Bazarath was not the only one to show some disquiet. Uh, Omar Khan, a former manager of the West Indies, uh, came out to suggest earlier this week that um, perhaps Dinesh Ramdin had been sacked because he was not a member of WIPA, the West Indies uh, Players Association, the, the, the union. Uh, the West Indies Cricket Ball quickly came out to respond to that. Yes, uh, I think they, they saw the opportunity to clear the air and they simply said, well, you know, that wouldn't hold water because uh, neither Jason Holder is a member of the Players Association. So mm. I think that ends that kind of discussion on, 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 on that um, matter. On that front, yes. No, it, it, does seem to, it does seem to be an appointment based upon merit. I saw a very interesting interview this week. Uh, Clive Lloyd, the convener of selectors, was on um, Sportsmax, The Zone, and he was being interviewed by Simon Croskill. And Simon Croskill... Uh, basically wants to insist that uh, Clive Lloyd was uh, putting his reputation upon the line by backing Jason Holder. Was he going a little too far? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, uh, this is not um, reputation on the line. Um, I think that Holder will come out of Sri Lanka with reasonable uh, points, reasonable performances. Um, he probably will do better with the bat than the ball hmm. because of, of, of the pitches. What's important is, is how he leads, how he leads from the front, um, how he sets attacking fees and, and, he, and he's not uh, too defensive. But what's key in, in Sri Lanka is whether our batsmen can put runs on the board. If your batting side is putting three and four hundred runs on the board consistently, it's not easy to lose the test match that quickly. If you make small scores, well, you are going to pay for it. Mm. But um, once you bat well in the first innings and you get beyond 400, um, you mainly given your bowlers uh, something to work with. And, and that, to me, is, is important. Mm. The, uh, there was another thing that I found very interesting that came out of that uh, interview uh, with Clive Lloyd. He said that one of the major factors in taking the captaincy from Ramdin was that they felt it had had a detrimental effect on his batting and they wanted to see him back where he'd been in the last year or two before that, averaging around 40 with the bat. And he seemed to imply that uh, this was also would give them the opportunity to get an extra bowler into the side. So are we likely to see Ramdin batting at six thinking right now. I mean, you know, uh, Jeffrey Dujon used to bat quite uh, quite high. Mm. And sometimes maybe De Derek Murray will bat uh, a bit high. That would be the ideal balance if you can have your number six um, batsman, who is your, also your wicketkeeper. Mm. Getting runs there. It's important that uh, Ramden <coughs> beg your pardon, looks to have 
been somewhere around the, the high thirties yeah. in, in Sri Lanka. Uh, if, if he can accomplish that, well, um, he, he he would have done his job as a, a, a batting keeper. You also got to keep your eyes on Dowridge because yes. he must be, have his own ambitions to try and make the side. Um, it all depends on, on you know who plays in the three-day game. There's an important three-day game before the first Test match, and what lineup they use might give you an indication of who will make the Test side. Mm. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, and uh, I think Dowich is breathing down uh, Ramdin's back. They made it clear that they see him as a frontline batsman by picking him as a batsman in previous Test matches, and he's a, a decent enough keeper. The personally, I don't think he's as good as Ramdin, but we'll watch and see. That would of course leave Holder batting at seven. And the likes of Taylor and Roach, well, Taylor's got a Test 100. They can hold a bat, but have underperformed. Why has the tail underperformed so badly, Reds? Well, during the Clive Lloyd with Richards period, um, our tail was made to work in the nets a, a great deal, you know. Um, and it comes back from something that the great Sir Donald Bradman um, once said to Jerry Alexander, in, in 1961, he said, you know, you have five, six bowlers, everybody bats, mm. you know, everybody bats. Uh, you might only have half the side bowling. And I think that um, during uh, the Clive Lloyd with Richards period, a lot of batsmen were made to go into the nets and bat and try and hold up a net and try and play straight. And, and, and maybe we, we, we need to, to go back. Uh, to that kind of work ethic. I, I think basically most of our, our tail-enders are capable with, with the bat. I mean, you mentioned uh, Taylor's got a, a test hundred. Roach has uh, showed himself uh, to be uh, fairly good uh, with the bat. I don't think that Bissou is by no means a rabbit. Mm-hmm. So I think there's potential there for the tail to wag and wag well. Mm, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, one last thing that came out of that Clive Lloyd interview that I just wanted to touch upon, uh, he expressed his disappointment that West Indies are playing only two tests in Sri Lanka. Well, that's that's been the order. I mean, I myself am very disappointed with any two tests. I know the days are gone for us to get five test matches. Mm. Um, that used to be the norm. I mean... You know, in, in, in the 80s, uh, people were falling over themselves to, to get the West Indies to come and tour. Yeah. But now, I mean, I'm quite willing to accept three test matches. Three test matches is a series. Uh, two test matches, to me, is going through the motions. And I do agree, agree with Clive that uh, the, the ICC really should relook at this because these things are, are stuck in. I mean, it was stuck in prior to Australia going to England. You know, it, it was there too much practice against us to prepare for England, or, or that, that, that's how it may be seen. But I, I, I do agree, two test matches just short of a length. Mm. Um, that was the interview that I found most interesting this week. You were telling me, Reds, that you saw, uh, or listened to, I should say, a very good one with Phil Simmons this week, probably on Keith Holder's mid-wicket show in Barbados. Yes, very current, and he was saying that he has asked the board for an improvement in the pitches. He wants harder pitches. And he made the point very strong. Now, whether he's going to write to the board, uh, you know, to demand this. But um, it has to be part of a plan. 
you just don't get uh, pitches all of a sudden improving. I mean, the one fine example of a pitch improving is the St. Lucian pitch. Mm. That used to be a very slow, low pitch. And Alton Craft, because he works there full time, um, he has really improved the square. It has a nice little bit of grass. It has good carry to the keeper. It's got bumps. It's got pace. It's good for, for, for the batsman. Now, if you can have that repeated, if you can have that repeated in most of the territories, um, I think Phil Simmons will get his wish. Right now, they're using Alton Crafton, who's been up to the ICC Center in Dubai. Um, but he's been bicycle around to try and help the rest of the curators. But basically, he goes in maybe three or four days before a, a major match will start. And one doesn't get the impression that that's enough time to influence change wherever um, he, he may be going. He needs to spend a lot more time with the ground staff prior to the international matches being played, or else he wouldn't make the, the impact on the level of rolling, on the level of, of, of water, on, on, on the level of, of cross-rolling, on, on the level of grass, and, uh, and things like that. Mm. So if St Lucia's uh, one of the, the better pitches, that must be good news for the West Indies women's team, because most of their games in the upcoming uh, tour by the Pakistan ladies are in St Lucia, I believe. Yes, and I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to that. In fact, I've suggested to one radio station that maybe we can do some reports, because mm. these things are, are not normally carried ball by ball. But I suggested I'll be available to do reports from the BCG. But, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to this new-look team on the new captain. And, um, you know, I look forward to the women playing international cricket here at Boshuju. It's West and East Pakistan. You, you, you just... I cannot um, not have interest. Mm. Well, you're going to be on hand, as you say, Reds, and uh, uh, presumably there for a lot of the uh, uh, the games. You'll be able to uh, report at least uh, back to, to us and uh, uh, give us first-hand reports uh, on the events. Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. Um, I certainly hope to do an interview um, with the captain as a personality interview, mm. not on how she's going to lead, but, I mean, how her cricket developed as a young girl in Jamaica. Um, I, I, I certainly will be looking at that. And there's some very interesting um, personalities in that side that you, you, you need to go back a bit and not, not talk about the present, but talk about how they developed. You know, in, in a game which are dominated by men and and some men not necessarily encouraging women to play or, or helping. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Um, moving from St Lucia to Antigua, it's going to be a busy weekend in Antigua. There's a town hall meeting and a, a directors of the West Indies Cricket Ball quarterly meeting. Um, do they expect many for the town hall meeting, Reds? Well, I did, in fact, call the West Indies uh, Secretariat. I spoke to Barry Thomas, um, the treasurer, and he told me that the town hall meeting, which came off last Friday night, they were expecting over a hundred. Mm. Uh, over a hundred. Um, it's on the bus line. It's at the multi-purpose town hall in St. John. Well, that, that would be the biggest crowd that they would have had. It beats the 65, 
sudden day they had in St. Lucia. I think that's somewhat smaller in in, um, in Guyana and much smaller in Barbados and, and, and Dominica. Yeah. Um, I think some of the questions you can expect, and I hope to have a report from, from Barry, uh, people will be asking about governments. Um, people will obviously be asking about Leeward's cricket because they're right in the heart of Leeward's cricket, which is going through a terrible time. Mm. The board needs information on where to go or, or what's the problem, but the board needs to have a plan too. I think that we need to be um, getting questions on coaches' education, the sponsorship of the four-day game, the promotion of the four-day game, what's the state of the franchise, and um, the, the, the whole question, of course, which is still hanging around the $42 million. Is there any firm agreement with India uh, to play a series of matches towards paying off that? But I'm, I'm hoping that the next time we talk, um, that Barry would have dropped me a line to say, I mean, how uh, how well the town hall meet, meeting went. Mm. It'll also be interesting to see how well the uh, uh, board of directors meeting goes. Uh, I've seen the uh, agenda that they've... Uh, uh, put out in their press release a couple of interesting items on there be interesting to see how they communicate those back one is presentation of the economic impact assessment of cricket in the caribbean and also corporate governance report can we can we expect to have any real news from this uh, quarterly meeting reds i don't think i can expect any uh, shattering um, <laughs> discussions um, when you talk about governance, um, you know, you have to talk about real governance and, and, and real change of the structure of the board. Mm. I do not see um, that taking place during uh, this meeting. Whether there will be an incorporation of the Wilkin report or some aspects of that, or uh, the Patterson report, we, we, we uh, just have to wait and see. Mm. No, it, it is a period of change, as you say. We've just had a, an Ashes series, and in the last week, the, the number of retirements uh, from the Australian team that started out that series has gone up to five, with uh, the, the Test match retirement of Shane Watson and international retirement of Brad Haddon. I can, we can almost add a sixth retirement with the announcement, Reds, that the Wacker won't be hosting Test matches anymore. Is, is that you know, bad news for, uh, for international cricket? Well, that's bad news for the Western Australians because they've felt for a long time. When I first went to Australia in '75, you got the impression that when you went to WA, they felt, I suppose it's like Yorkshire. Yorkshire always felt that the southern counties in England yeah. always got um, the best selections. Um, players from, from the southern counties always got the nod. Well, Western Australia for a long time felt that, you know, they were the... Um, they were the stepchild left out. Mm. Um, I, funny enough, only this morning I was reading about the Roy Fredericks 169. Yeah. And it brought memories back of that magnificent day in December, I think it was December 13th, when he faced up against Lillian and, and Thompson, Gilmore and Walker. And what a display of, of batting. I mean, this was on the fastest track in the world. The Australians were really bowling flat out, and little Roy Fredericks, uh, you know, five feet eight or thereabouts, <laughs> cutting and pulling and hooking. It was a marvellous display, and I was honoured to have done um, 
that it ends. Yeah. But um, I can imagine when I read the Australian papers upcoming this week, uh, what the Dubé um, politicians, what the Dubé um, private sector, what the Dubé sports writers who will, will, will be saying about that. Staying with uh, uh, Western Australia uh, Reds, it was uh, only a few days ago, I think just over a week ago, that another Western Australia, uh, Western Australian Rod Marsh uh, gave the, uh, the, the Cowdery Lecture. There was, a, there was a few interesting observations that came out of that. Yes, Rod Bacchus Marsh, uh, a Western Australian, and of course we saw him in uh, 75, we saw him here in 73. Um, when he started, he was described by... Some English writers as iron gloves, but he made his mark definitely on Australia wicketkeeping and, and late order batting. But I think he, he, he made a good point. Um, you know, when you see baseball umpires, they are wearing a mask. They're wearing a metal mask. They wear a chest mask. And I think they would be wearing a grind protector. Uh, and they are just behind the catcher. Mm. So there's someone in front of them. Um, there's the bowler in cricket who is delivering um, whether spin or pace and Rod Marsh was saying that you know it's only a matter of time before a standing umpire um, you know gets really hurt now um, you know it's not it hasn't happened before um, in a tragic way but I have seen umpires uh, gotten hit quite quite recently I think I saw a South African umpire being hit on the shoulder or something like that. Mm. And uh, he was, um, you know, at a fairly um, good audience to make um, the, the point he was making, that he was asking um, the ICC to, to look at, A, um, improving the, the safety of uh, the umpires and saying that they need also to allow the umpires to stand back uh, to have a little more time to get out of the firing line, so to speak. And in order to get them to stand back, they need to go back to the old mm. no-ball rule, mm. um, which uh, was um, one where um, a lot of people dragged through it. Yeah. But uh, whether the, the, the ICC will take that on, it'll, it'll probably have to go to the cricket uh, committee mm. uh, before that gets any attention. But I think it's, it, it's something that you, you re- really have to m- maybe consider um, at some time. Mm. No, the, the, the whole issues of uh, uh, the old no-ball law against the new no-ball law as, uh, it came in the early 1960s. It's something I want to discuss with, um, with John Holder in, uh, in an upcoming uh, discussion. I'm hoping to do in the next couple of days as an entirely separate uh, uh, podcast uh, and tap into his expertise and opinions as an umpire. But it, it does it does prove, Reds, that um, nothing stays the same. Things change. And you and I both heard uh, a delightful interview that was uh, uh, being circulated on the net this week from the late Arthur Morris. Yes. In fact, I, I did a piece for the voice of Barbados, and their headline was, um, David, can you imagine a world of no sledging <laughs> in 1915? Uh, <laughs> well, um, uh, in 2015, mm. well, uh, Artemis uh, talked about starting cricket after the war and the atmosphere it was played in. 
He said some people were just so happy to play. The war was ended. We can get back uh, to playing test cricket. Mm. And he said, you know, against Alec Betson and Hollies and Yardley and whoever uh, whoever played for England, um, Gladwin, uh, there was never any verbals coming. You might bowl um, and beat the bat and, uh, you know, it will be thrown back to the keeper. He went back to his mark. He said when he played against the West Indies um, in uh, 1951, he said, you know, the, um, that world team, uh, there was no um, nothing coming from them verbally, no, no sledging mm. um, from Worrell or Gomez or John Trim or Valentina or, or Ravenin. And I think he ends up by saying that he was very happy to have played at a time where what's going on now, um, you know, just did not exist. <laughs> and I think he was a mild-mannered man, and he, I, I don't think that he would have been uh, too impressed too impressed with the, the kind of ugly behaviour we, we've been seeing over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, th I think he was making a, a general point that for people that have been through uh, a world war and seen bloodshed and, and death, and uh, there was no place for false machismo that we have today in uh, uh, easier times. Uh, we're coming towards the end, Red, but in the last two, three minutes, obviously one of the biggest talking points of the week uh, came... Uh, Obstructing the field, the the uh, Ben Stokes Mitchell Stark incident. I must ask you your opinion on that. Well, I want to say two things. I was watching the game, and when it first happened, um, you know, Stark throwing this ball at you know five yards away. I simply said, not out. You know, I, I, I simply said, you know, it, it just wasn't on in terms of him um, obstructing the field of play. Mm. The appeal was now withdrawn mm. by Smith, so the appeal had to be carried on. The two umpires decided on field that they will not deal with it, and they went to the third umpire. And I think he read the rules and stuck to the rules. Mm. It stuck to the rules, um, which basically said that if you put your hand out and the ball may be in line with the stumps. Um, you can be guilty of interfering with play. Mm. But when you see that in real time, it's it's another matter. Mm. What I've read since then is the, the majority of people watching the game uh, said that that should have been withdrawn. It wasn't cricket. It was totally unnecessary. And, uh, I mean, some people said, you know, the England captain said, if that had happened to him, he would have withdrawn the appeal. Uh, I, I think it is a bit of um, uh, a bad mark, you know, on the Australians and especially the new captain. It really should not have happened because it is not cricket. It is not stealing. Mm. Um, very disappointed that it came out the way it came out, David. Mm. Uh, I, I felt quite sorry for uh, the third umpire who was uh, Trinidad's Joel Wilson. I suspect in years to come, Reds, that that whole incident will be used as a, almost like a test case and a training piece for umpires to show that there are occasions, and this proved it, where real-time is actually far more beneficial to see what really happened than the slow motion. Because in slow motion, it does look like Stokes sticks his hand out and stops the path of the ball. In real-time, as you say, it looks like it's just a natural reaction. Yes, you're dead on there, David.
Yeah. Well, I'm going to, as I said before, I'm going to be quizzing John Holder about these things uh, in in the next uh, day or two. Um, I think that's about all we've got time for today, Reds. Yes, I must, um, as we end, say a very special hello um, to our listeners in, um, in, 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 in Grenada. I hope they've enjoyed uh, the program. <laughs> and uh, I want to say a very special thanks to Grant Communication for carrying this broadcast. And we will be providing that each and every Monday. Yeah, no, how, how to that. Uh, that's about it for this week. Uh, time to lift the bales and call time. Uh, thank you for joining me, Reds, and thank you for listening. This has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket co- uh, Podcast, and I hope you can join us again next time. Goodbye. <laughs>